Hello listeners and welcome to Big Streaming Pile. I am your host Fiona L.F. Kelly. And I am Tom Goldthwaite. And we are here to do a podcast. Hell yeah. Okay, so this week for the no one that was keeping track, this week was supposed to be the Emoji Movie and we went to watch it yesterday and we found out that the Emoji Movie is no longer on Netflix. Womp womp. Yeah, so we just moved to the next one uh, in the list, which is Secret Obsession. So that's what this week's show is about. If you didn't look at the title before you started listening, because we have many devoted fans who will definitely do that. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, this week's podcast is sponsored again by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com slash bigstreamingpile to get a free 30-day trial and an audiobook of your choosing. Audible's a pretty neat service. I use it. I use it and like it. So if you want to take advantage of that sweet, sweet deal, you can go to audibletrial.com slash bigstreamingpile. And if you want to follow the show on social media and stuff, on Twitter, we are at BigStreamPile. And on Facebook, you can just search Big Streaming Pile or Big Streaming Pile Podcast. Um, my mom gave the Facebook page a like. My mom and my dad. Wow. It took them till the third episode to do it. Listen, they're old. <laughs> they're too busy putting extra ellipses in their Facebook posts, probably. I'm going to feel really bad if my mom and dad uh, listen to this now <laughs> and, we're, <laughs> and we're just roasting them for doing the very nice thing. Of, it's very mild. Very mild. Yeah. We love no, them. No, they're, they're great. Yeah. They're, they're fantastic parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, do you want to talk about Secret Obsession and not my parents? Although I did think about my mom a lot when I was watching this movie because... That's odd. Well... <laughs> I thought about her a lot because uh, she really likes the kind of like hard-boiled detective novel Mm. type of stuff, Um, some of which she probably should listen to on Audible. Again, you can go to audibletrial.com slash big streaming pile. Boom. But instead, she goes to the library and and just like rents audiobook after audiobook, which is another very good option uh, because we also support... Our public libraries, even if they don't give us money. (laughs) (laughs) Stay in the library, folks. Yeah. But, uh, so Secret Obsession from, you know, that big hint is exactly what you would expect it to be. It is, uh, well, let's get into the plot. Yeah. uh, So the movie starts with a girl running away from an attacker that we, like, don't see and as she's uh, trying to run away, she gets hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And she gets really hurt, and she's taken to the hospital. And a guy runs in and is like, I'm her husband, let me see her. And everyone's like, okay, and just lets this happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, if you have already guessed what the movie is about, you are correct. It is... <laughs> It has no surprises. It is exactly what you think it's going to be. And uh, that is why I had so much fun watching it three times in preparation for this podcast. But so all this happens and she eventually wakes up and she doesn't remember anything. Mm -hmm. But they do say that she does remember how to like speak and stuff like that. It's just that she doesn't retain, you know, her like 
memories. So yeah, she say has that to... she still has her semantic memories, so she like knows what stuff is. Right. I think she also like remembers her like childhood to a certain extent and like family. She's like sort of aware of some stuff. It's like mm-hmm. she knows as much as plot. Like they're showing her a lot of pictures, and she's like asking about different things and like kind of doesn't know but it is important that she like knows who her parents are yeah she knows that, who her like, parents matters. are she remembers her parents which skipping it a little bit is uh when she does wake up she sees her husband has no idea who he is and yeah. uh he's telling her about various things and she's like oh like have you told my parents i'm in the hospital we should see them and he's like your parents died in a fire which is, like, a horrible way to, yeah. to tell someone that. Like, he couldn't even be like, oh, this this girl just woke up from being hit by a car. Maybe we should ease into the, your parents are dead a little bit easier. But, <laughs> nope. They died horribly in a house fire. They could not escape. It was, it was mm-hmm. terrible. Awful way to die. But, so, then it cuts to a detective. Um, and this detective's name is Detective Frank Page. He is played by the guy from the Allstate commercials, which is as distracting as you think it would be. At least for me. You said Yeah, you I have no problem, yeah. I mean, his voice is lovely. It is lovely. Um, I, I thought he played it, the part, like, really well, too. He did. Uh, this is not a criticism of how, you know, he was acting. He just... Put him in more movies. He he is in a fair number of movies. Like Is he? Okay, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. The movies for this podcast are most of the movies I watch, so <laughs> it's bad. He's a he's a good actor. He was good in this. I liked him in this. But I found it to be terribly distracting because like there were so many situations where an appropriate response would have been, Are you in good hands? And I just <laughs> wanted him to say it really, really badly. That's fair. But um so again, this is like the most stereotypical thing ever that could happen. You see him buying a stuffed animal, but there are, like, no children around, and he sees a little girl admiring a bear, and I actually thought this part was pretty funny, and he's like, you know what, I'll take the bear, too, and I was expecting him to give the bear to the little girl. No, he just no, he takes just has it. a bear now. <laughs> he just takes it with him, and I was like, oh, okay. A bold uh, move, honestly. Yeah, just literally. You gotta flex on the kids, because otherwise they're just gonna, you know, drag you on Facebook five years later, so... Yeah. Get in while the getting's good, I guess. She's gonna okay boomer him, I guess. I don't know. But, um, she... (laughs) So, and, like, what's also weird is that he's, like, he's, like, acting like this little girl's super cute. He's smiling at her and talking to her, and then he just buys this toy in front of her and leaves. And then he goes back to his house where he's crying and wrapping these presents, and the only case he couldn't solve was the case of his daughter's murder and his wife left him for it and it's the week of the anniversary mm-hmm. of her murder so he is like extra on yeah. edge and we are told all of this like i know that a big thing is like show don't tell we are very explicitly told this like many many times yeah i mean we it does show him like our introduction to this is like we see him wrapping a gift box and then breaking down crying yeah and then like we cut to like the family photo of him and his daughter which is like there is a voiceover of his wife being like you're a detective why uh, can't you solve his daughter's your daughter's murder which i think is so just incredible like i really like it (laughs) 
it was yeah so i guess they showed and told like sort yeah. of at the same time because you could just remove that voiceover and you know exactly what was going on well you knew what was going on from the trailer i think that mm. the first time i watched this when it first came out because netflix knows i love bad movies so it like shows the trailers to me of like whatever came up like that day mm-hmm. in bad movies and i watched them like immediately but i remember watching the trailer and being like i bet the only case he couldn't solve was his daughter's <laughs> murder and then it happened i'm like no wait i was kidding yeah I did not watch the trailer, so I didn't have, like... Uh, yeah. The trailer basically, like... So, I actually said in a couple group chats that I was watching this movie, and everyone, like, guessed the plot and asked if they were right, and I'm like, that is exactly what happened. So, anyway, this is, like, the emotional journey for that character, uh, Detective, Detective Frank Page. So, going back to Jennifer and Russell, who are the name of our, uh husband and wife duo uh jennifer is doing better in the hospital she's like playing memory games mm-hmm. and stuff like that and she still isn't remembering like everything but they're getting along and being playful mm-hmm. and she's eventually let out of the hospital i don't know i can't think of the word uh discharge discharge there you go <laughs> de-admitted <laughs> from the hospital um de-admitted <laughs> So uh, she goes home to this, like, very beautiful house in the mountains, and it's like... It's a nice house. It is. It's a super nice house. I would like to live there. Uh, There is notably no cell phone service, though, like, at all. And um, we'll get to that a little bit later, but... So she's, she, like, sees this very extravagant house, but she's still having trouble, like, remembering stuff. And uh, she's asking about her friends and things, and uh, the husband's like, oh, they're all away, but, like, you know, they'll come see you when they get back, you quit your job, so you have to just stay in this house all day, all the time. Because we were planning on having kids at some point, I guess. And meanwhile, the detective, uh, because he is so distraught by this being the anniversary of his daughter's death, is, like, over-investigating this case, even though the guy who, like, hit her, like, immediately called 911 and, like, said that he did it and everything like that. Yeah. Which was the interesting thing is that there certainly wasn't anything to investigate. I guess other than, like, well, no, because they know who hit hit her. Yeah, he he was the one who, like, called, well, he had someone else who stopped called 911 like he told them to call 911 but he yeah. like stayed with her like we yeah seen him stay yeah with it wasn't her. like a hit and run so like the only thing to investigate really is like why jennifer was there and i don't know it doesn't i, I feel like most police departments probably would more or less call it good at that point and not like dig too much further Right, Maybe because I'm wrong. the whole problem was that they didn't understand why she was there, and she couldn't tell them because she couldn't remember. Yeah. And what her husband, Russell, has told them is that she said she was going out for groceries, mm-hmm. and then um, she said she was going out for groceries, and then just, like, never returned, and he gets a call that she's in the hospital, yeah. which I don't know how they would have called him because she was notably found with, like, no ID or cell phone. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that becomes, like, a plot point. Yeah. Later. So he just he just shows up, and everyone is just like, "Yes, we will let you have this this mm-hmm. woman." <laughs> and uh, so, oh, and I, I didn't say this earlier. Uh, for for all you decom fans out there, um, Jennifer is played by Brenda Song, and I like to mm. think that in every Brenda Song movie, she is playing London from Sweet Life of Zach and Cody because it makes the movie like fifty times funnier. 
So there's a lot she didn't remember, notably her sweet life on deck. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, so, oh God, what were we talking about? So they're back home. Right. We're like at this mountain mansion sort of place. Right. And the detective is still like, uh, trying to figure out what went, what went on. He's mm-hmm. like calling all these witnesses back, including one particularly shading, shady looking character who I think is called Mr. Khan. I did not write down who he was, but I thought this was interesting because on my rewatches for this podcast, I tried to figure out what exactly Mr. Khan's like sort of plan was because he, he sees this, he's like a witness at the event. Um, he goes to the hospital, asks for Jennifer by name and tries to give her flowers and, and Russell sees this and he's kind of like glaring at him Mm -hmm. from behind like glass door and then uh, Russell goes, so he's he's called into interview with the detective, but you don't see what the interview is. He goes home from that interview. Russell shows up and he's like, "What do you want with Jennifer Williams?" and and this guy is like, "Oh, I don't know. Like, who are you?" And uh, he's like, "I'm her husband." And then he just kills him, and it's never brought up again. Yeah. He's just, and, and importantly, like, the movie is, like, in sort of over-the-top ways trying to tell you that, like, this kind of shady dude is, like, the one who is trying to kill her, because it's, like, every time he, like, enters frame, they start with, like, the camera pointed, like, away from his face, and, like, as his face enters the frame, it's, like, you know, really obvious music cue is hit. Yeah. And, like, he has, like, facial hair that just screams, like, I'm a knife murderer. Yeah, and I also think it's really funny. So in this house, they have pictures of them scattered all around, and he also has a, a photo album that he gives her of, like, various pictures of her family and the two of them together and stuff like that. And, like, they're very obviously his face copy-pasted onto someone with a totally different skin tone. Like, to comical degree, the neck is a different color than the rest <laughs> of the face. And, uh, it just tickles me every time because she, like, doesn't notice this for, like, a long time. And then she's looking through the photo albums and I think that she sees in a mirror that the, that the hair that's reflected is a different color than his hair because his hair is blonde and the hair that's mm-hmm. being reflective is black. Yeah. So I think that we can just kind of go ahead to, like, that sort of turning point in the plot because, like, some stuff happens, but it's not super important because... Like, where it's headed to is that it turns out that this guy that claimed he was her husband was actually, like, a co-worker who, like, worked with her and her husband, who, like, they also met at work. So it was, like, and he had, like, killed her actual husband and killed her parents and was intending to kill her. And that was, like, the opening scene. Right. Was him trying to kill her. But then she's, like, hit by a car and loses her memory. So he's, like, I'm gonna pretend to be her husband now. Because the reason he was going to kill her was because of the secret obsession. Right. I also think it's interesting because um, he's, like, alone in the hospital with her, like, before they realize that she's lost a lot of her memory. And he could have just killed her there. But for whatever reason, he doesn't. Yeah. And uh, this just sort of drives the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Um So all that happens. Detective Frank Page is, is on the case. And he... Uh, he ends up finding their house through various means because he's given the hospital and all these different people, like all these like fake phone mm-hmm. numbers and stuff like that. So he eventually finds out where they are in their little mountain retreat 
Jennifer is like trying to get his attention so that he can help her escape. And she, this is like a straight up like reference to misery where he's going out for various things and she is like having to escape while she's injured because she's still very injured from the hospital. I guess she, yeah. she's having trouble walking, which is sort of analogous to uh, misery where his leg is broken the whole time. She has like a broken ankle and she's like having to get around on it and everything while it's like not wrapped or anything. She's just like wearing normal shoes. It's very very strange yeah. but well, she, she self wraps with some duct tape eventually yeah eventually she self wraps it with duct tape which like i guess would work in a pinch but um she made it like way worse before the duct tape thing by like she she ended up getting chained to the bed and she just like straight up yanked her foot out of yeah. the chain yeah. which if your ankle was not already broken it would be broken from that and she just sort of like Here's, like, a mild question, not that I want to spend a ton of time on it, but were we supposed to read that as, like, the only reason she could get out of the chain was because the ankle was broken? That's what I was assuming, okay. that it was already broken, so it was a little bit wonky. Well, I think it was definitely already broken, or at least, like, hurt, but I was wondering if that was, like, supposed to be, like, almost, like, the ironic twist was that... Like, the fact that her ankle was broken is what let well, her Well, right, escape. that's what I'm saying. Because her okay. ankle was broken, she was able to, like, manipulate it mm-hmm. a little bit more than you would, like, your and, like, average ankle. Yeah. But what was also, like, weird about that was it wasn't done super loose, so it was just, like, wrapped around her ankle and then wrapped around the bedpost. Mm-hmm. So she would just have to, like get enough slack that she could just slip her ankle out but instead she just goes like yoink and she gets <laughs> it out um but yeah that's also kind of how i read it was that she needed uh, she needed the like brokenness like almost yeah. like the, this movie referenced a lot of stephen king works like like gerald's game you know like mm-hmm. using the inner in, uh, injuries to your advantage to escape bonds and stuff yeah, like that yeah. uh detective frank page is knocked out by russell mm-hmm. who is like wise to his shenanigans and uh, he puts him in a freezer in the garage with all the other numerous bodies and uh, starts chasing Miss Brenda Song, Jennifer Williams, around the house. And uh, they, she ends up escaping the house and they're in the woods. And uh, he, he ends up finding her, but Detective Frank Page has escaped and from the little like freezer thing that they mm-hmm. had and he is uh you know he manages to tackle him and knock the gun out of <laughs> russell's hands and she picks up the gun and what was weird was that it seemed like they were referencing the trope as to she doesn't know who to shoot but she very clearly knows who to shoot <laughs> i don't think it was referencing like who to shoot it was just like the they're like in a struggle and she has to like she, really be- she doesn't want to hit yeah. the detective yeah i know that but it makes it look like she's like, which one do I shoot? Which is, like, a little bit funny, I think. But she ends up shooting him, and he comes at her, and she shoots and kills him. Yeah. And then she's taken away. And uh, we cut to the end, where we see Detective Frank Page has packaged up all the presents he's gotten for his daughter, and he is donating them. Yeah, and he has a whole bunch of boxes on which he's carefully written in Sharpie toys to donate. Yeah. Which was really funny to me, because he wasn't... As far as I could tell, like, every box was just toys to donate. Well, no, he was moving. Mm, oh, okay, he that makes that moving. does make sense. Okay, yeah. okay. You he does mention the, that later. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you yeah. see the moving truck as she's walking by. You're right, you're right. Okay, so, that makes sense. Yeah, so that part, I will give them. Okay, it did make I, I was sense, unfair, I was, was unfair. That was, <laughs> penalize me for unfair, Duncan. <laughs> okay. Minus three points. <laughs> um, 
So uh, Jennifer walks by and uh, he's so he's talking to her and she's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing well and all this stuff. He's like, during my investigation, I found this note in your desk at work from your husband. And it ends with a note being narrated about like written from her husband right mm -hmm. before their wedding, her real husband, about how like no matter what happens, like, you know, that moment will always have yeah. been like very, very happy. And then it's over, and this part was pretty short because, and we did skip some stuff, but it is exactly what you would think would happen yeah. happens. Yeah, and it was very like the parts we skipped were all like your standard like thriller boilerplate type stuff, right? Of like escalation and more tension. There's like a subplot that involves like his laptop, and she's like trying to figure out the password. Yeah, and she she figures out like weirdly quickly that it's her name, but she has to know what her real name is. Yeah, like her actual like maiden last name. Yeah, because Russell Williams is in fact the name of her husband. This yeah. dude's name is Ryan Garrity, and he is just like assumed the identity of yeah, Russell Williams. Yeah. Also, he leaves the house and doesn't do the phone wallet keys. Which took me out of it. Yeah. Because he steals his wallet out of his jacket pocket, like, before he puts it on. And he mm -hmm. just, this madman just leaves the house without <laughs> checking if yeah. he has his phone as well and yeah. his keys. That was the movie. Um, do you want to get into the analysis, Let's Thomas? do it. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start or should I start? I can start if you want. All right. Why don't you cool. start? All right. I kind of wanted to talk about, like, the nature of, like predictability and like kind of gotcha twists mm -hmm. so the movie clearly was following this idea of so, so i want to like kind of set up a distinction between types of twists you can do in a plot mm -hmm. where like some twists are just like cool and interesting mm -hmm. and are designed to just like be like surprising and like they'll sometimes be set up that if you were like really super observant you could like figure them out um i don't want to go into examples because those would be like Spoilers for actual good movies. But I, I think everyone will know what I mean. Like, a really good twist is, like, if you, like, go back and rewatch, it's, like, everything's there, but, like, like no reasonable person would figure that out. Right. Um, so it's just a good twist. And there's other twists that are, like, really, like, telegraphed, and, like, they're barely a twist at all, but, like, that's fine, too, because, like, not everything has to be unpredictable. But this movie did what I'd call, like, a gotcha twist, which is, like, the style of twist that it's not, like, super clever, per se, but it's almost, like... It starts to feel a little mean-spirited. Right. Where it's, like, it's putting you where, like, the twist is supposed to make you feel a little bit dumb for not seeing it come in. Like, the twist is, like, he's not, like, really her husband. And, like, that's something where, for me, I hadn't, like, quite, like, like from the very mo beginning, I'm, like, he's probably not her husband. Yeah. But then, like, the movie did everything to say that, well, maybe he just really is her husband. And then, like, this sort of thing that was, like, the gotcha was when they're, like, oh, like, he never, like... Well, the detective, like, asked, like, well, how did he identify her? And they're, like, well, like, he, like, had some photos and identified, like, a tattoo or something. Right. And then, like, it's supposed to be, like, uh, ha, he never properly identified her. You should have caught that. That's the sort of thing that if he really was her husband, it's not like we would have seen that moment on screen necessarily because it's not, like, important. Yeah. So it's almost, it's, like, a cheap gotcha where it's, like, it's not, like, a fair where it's like they played on like a prejudice you have or something or like played on like a pre like a an expectation that's subverted it's just they don't tell they just like skip over the places where you should have 
seen red flags and then just were like, twist, look at that. Yeah, I, I think that what this movie plays off a lot of with expectations is a knowledge of the genre yeah. and your knowledge of tropes within that genre. Because if you know how this sort of movie is structured, mm-hmm. you know that he's obviously not her husband. Um, when you look at other sorts of thriller movies and stories like that, like you can look at Gone Girl and things mm-hmm. like that, that really did play with it in really interesting ways of, uh, you know, the trope of, is this person really mm-hmm. who they say they are? This person so close to me? Because that's what's scary about it. That's what's mm-hmm. driving the plot is that, like, the people who are close to you might be the ones who are the ones, you know, lying to your face. Yeah. So, what I feel is part of the thing here with this movie is, like, it's clear that the movie wants you to be thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Just from, like, the way it sets things up and frames it. Mm-hmm. But what makes it feel cheap to me is, like, yes, like, you know you're supposed to be thinking about it, but if you, like, set aside the genre expectations, there's, like, literally no reason to think this guy isn't her husband until that twist. Well, I think that there is, though. I think that, you know, when you see the pictures, you see that it's clearly, like, his face edited on to mm-hmm. someone else and, okay. and things like that. So I do think that there are little hints throughout okay. the movie about that. Um, I think it's interesting that in, in regards to that plot, because I have thoughts mm-hmm. on other plots, but in regards to that plot, the twist is that there's not a twist. Yeah. And yeah. so if you go through just like knowing how thrillers work, especially like uh, relationship thrillers or like, mm-hmm. or like almost sort of like trade paperback suspense novels, mm-hmm. this is like exactly what would happen in something like that. And yeah. like in a novel, you can hide it a little bit better. In a mm-hmm. movie, it's a different medium that you're playing with. And, yeah. uh, they just didn't seem to particularly care about that, which I thought was really interesting, but I also mm-hmm. think, like, lends itself to the charm of, you know, this particular movie is that they they were just like, everyone knows what's going to happen. We're going to give them what they want. And I think that okay. people really do read books and, like, watch movies for stuff like that. Like, the yeah. predictability, we see that in Marvel movies uh, that follow, you know, this very, like, mm-hmm. formulaic structure and people get a lot of enjoyment out of them. Um, whether or not you think that is, like, a good thing is, is a subject yeah. for debate, but... That's interesting because I didn't get that feeling. And maybe part of it is I'm not immersed in that sort of genre in the same way I am, like, other genres. Because for me, like, the predictability of a Marvel movie is... Well, what's nice is that there are no twists, really. I mean, there'll be, like, little things, but, like, it's predictable, but it's also, like, very, like, telegraphed. Yeah, well, I think that Marvel does play with twists. Like, if you look at um, Winter Soldier, spoilers for Winter Soldier, like, Bucky is the Winter Soldier, Mm -hmm. which is a twist from the first movie that's his best friend. That's true. So, yeah, that's that's there. Yeah, they do have twists, but it's, like, to me, like, the predictability is different where there's, like, a style of predictability that... It's just like the plot is just like a logical progression of events one after the other. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it is versus like, to me, like a predictable twist is almost different where it's like, it's not like the just the logical progression of events, but it's also not like a super like surprising moment. It's just kind of, to me, like I'm just sitting there the whole movie just kind of like waiting for it to land. And to me, that's like very tedious and boring. Yeah, which I think is part of what makes this a bad movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, like, I yeah, definitely agree yeah. that uh, that is a factor in, you know, why I chose mm-hmm. this movie, even though I really do, en- like, genuinely enjoy it. And we'll get into that later. But um, it's like, 
having a twist for the sake of having a twist. Yeah. Which I think is usually the wrong move, but I also think that um, in a movie like this that's trying to evoke a very particular mm-hmm. um, style, especially, like, within the novel genre, yeah. you can, like, hide those things a little bit better. You have, like, a little mm-hmm. bit more space to work with because you're, like, the god of the world versus, yeah. like, the god of what the camera wants yeah. the audience to see. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in movies, sometimes it is, like, genuinely hard to tell, like... Is that supposed to be a picture of him where, like, his head is really badly photoshopped on and we're supposed to, like, believe that? Or is it that they had this picture of Brenda Song and uh, maybe, like, from her real wedding and they wanted to put his face yeah, on it? Because that also to- happens. That could totally happen, yeah. yeah. And I was going to bring up something very similar where it's, like, with the acting, like, it's, it's almost, like, weird to try and read into it because it's hard to tell, like, if he's acting off-putting, is that, like, an intentional artistic choice? Or is he just not that good at acting? <laughs> yeah, so maybe that is, like, kind of the <laughs> the misdirect that they want you to have. Like, <laughs> is this a bad movie or are they doing something clever? And I think that the answer, perhaps, is both and neither. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the answer is I think that, like... The actors are doing their job pretty well. Yeah. And, like... Like, everyone was, like, a good actor in this. Yeah. Like, like I the, liked everyone The technical side of it was solid. I mean, I'm not, like, a cinematographer or anything, but, like, to me, like, the visual storytelling seemed to be doing what it was supposed to be doing all the time. Like, right. it wasn't, like, lost. And, like, like, this movie really didn't take any risks, which is another thing yeah. I'll say, because Netflix... Well, this is a Netflix original, and uh, usually those movies feel, like, very empowered to take risks with, mm-hmm. like visual language and stuff like that and this movie was like pretty content to like rest on um on a legacy really a legacy of like thrillers um it evoked a lot of images from like misery and gerald's game which was Mm -hmm. another netflix movie that was made um about being trapped in a house Mm -hmm. that's another movie maybe we should talk about at some point but I, i think that one was maybe a little bit too good for uh for this podcast mm. not not too much but a little bit but um so yeah it was like resting on Stephen king it was resting on all those like really mm-hmm. great like almost pulpy trade paperback like yeah. books about yeah. suspense and like you know families and even like at times hard-boiled detective novels yeah. And, and yeah. things like that i guess like part of it too is that i feel like in that style like at least what i have seen of it like when the plot is very predictable, the appeal has to come from, like, the characters. Right. But part of, I think, a weakness of this is there's very few characters, and all but, like, the lead two have really not very much screen time. No, and you don't really get anything about their personalities either. Yeah. I mean, you get the most for uh, the detective. Right. Where you get, like, a little bit of backstory. Yeah, you get the tragic backstory. And you get, like, he's, like, overworked, and we have, like, a few, I would call them throwaway, except they're basically all we get of his interactions with, like, a few other police officers. Yeah, and from that, you're basically supposed to draw that he's generally a decent guy. Like He's he, a nice guy, yeah. guy that everyone likes with a tragic backstory. Yeah. That's, like, what there is. Um, you know, Jennifer, you, you get basically nothing about because mm-hmm. she doesn't even know. Uh, yeah. You get, so, well, actually, you get one thing about Jennifer, and is that she goes hard all the time. So, like, yeah. in a lot of movies like that, people will be, like, a little bit content to just, like, mm-hmm. 
be good for a while yeah. for their hostage or for their captor rather. Mm-hmm. But um, every single time she's left alone, she's getting into shit, and I think yeah. that that's like sort of incredible. Yeah, and well, she was I think by a large margin the best developed character in the movie, which I mean makes sense because it's like her movie. Yeah. Um, and like good for them for doing that, but like the everyone else like the not really her husband character like his entire focus while he was on screen was just trying to like walk that line between like nice and off-putting he was like to a comic level a a nice guy yeah like you know he 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 tells her later in a monologue that he was nice to her for Mm -hmm. so long and like they were co-workers and spent all this time getting to know her and then russell comes along and she Mm -hmm. like falls for him and they get married uh, shortly after and he feels like he's owed something. Yeah, yeah. So, like, those are... Yeah. Those are his motivations. And what I actually think would have made this movie better would have been if they, like, let his, like, darker side show through more. Because I think that what they sort of did was they used, like, more, like, visual storytelling and, like, very subtle acting cues to, like, try and put out there that he's not who you think he is or he's mm-hmm. not who he's supposed to be. And, like, but mainly they're leaning on, like, the genre expectations. Yeah. And I think the movie would be better if it was, like, if he, like, was a little bit more off-putting in bigger ways earlier on. Yeah. Because, like, we have, like, a super hard turning point where, like, the two of them are, like, in bed together and they start, like moves on each other and they're gonna have sex mm-hmm. and then she like sort of pulls away and he like flips but that to me felt like like genre wise not out of left field but just in terms of like what would seem presented on the screen so far mm-hmm. super out of left field like it wasn't it didn't feel like set up to me like would never seen him do anything in anger until that moment so like i feel it would have been better if they had telegraphed his turn a little bit better especially like towards her um because like you said like he we we do get him like killing the guy which i guess is like a tell but he's like um, like he's like unfailingly like kind and understanding towards jennifer until he basically like gets right up to the edge of sexual assault like really fast yeah which i guess is like realistic in a sense because like that is how that goes yeah that is how like the nice guy thing kind of works yeah so so there is like realism to that but it does make for a really jarring turn in the story (laughs) um we forgot in the plot to talk about what i think is the funniest part in the movie which is uh when she when she is regaining her memories Mm -hmm. um she remembers her wedding, and then she starts to remember her wedding nights where... I know where uh, this is going. <laughs> where you see, you see her kissing this guy, and at first the memory is fake Russell, but then you see the memory again later, and it has turned into real Russell yeah. when she like yeah. remembers who her husband really was. Mm-hmm. And this memory never fails to crack me up. So she's like kissing this guy, and you think the memory would be just that... Uh, but then he like very clearly goes like yeah he like lowers himself down and like leaves the camera leaves the camera entirely so that he's clearly like in between her legs yeah and just and then she's just like oh like <laughs> 
and it's so funny. And then, like, it was so funny, too, when, when she gets the new memories that, like, the guy who pops up is, like, her real husband. And I'm just like, oh, man. And he just looks, like, so... Like, he almost has the expression of he's just, like... Like, he's just excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that they were trying to be like, oh, yeah, her husband... What a nice guy, yeah. making sure she finishes, too. Like, I'm like, what are, what are we doing? This is very strange. It was, and like, it was like, oddly specific, yeah. It was. It, but but that also fits into, like, the. it's kind of nice to see it shown, you know? Like, yeah, helping to like be like, this is what, like, cool guys do. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, which does, like, sort of... Uh, contrast with when he is like, no, you owe me this. Yeah. I was in the hospital for you, like, doing something that, um, I mean, people don't get nothing out of it. I think it's, like, sort of silly when people say you don't get anything out of it because, yeah. like, you know, uh, going down on your partner, like, <laughs> that makes people feel good. They did a mm -hmm. good deed. Uh, they did a good deed. hundred good deeds for Eddie McDowell. <laughs> That was gross. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so on that note, um, do you want to talk about the thing that I thought was a legitimate, um, like, reversal of expectations? Okay. Yeah, I do. Uh, so a trope that you see a lot, in, like, in particular with um, detective and, like, pretty young girl mm -hmm. stories is that... Uh, the girl that is rescued will either become a daughter figure or a girlfriend. And this mm. movie didn't do that. Yeah. Like, from from what you got from their little epilogue that they did, uh, this is a person who she probably worked with when, like, this was all being figured out by the police, and she just sort of says goodbye to him, mm -hmm. presumably to, like, never see him again. That's sort of um, the implication, yeah. Yeah, that's the implication that she's just going not like to... in a bad way. No, like, no, 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 no. They're going their different ways. Like, yeah, like this the, is the it. reason that they have interacted with yeah. each other is like now over. Yeah. Um, of and course, then... on Facebook, nothing's ever really over. They're going to be, you know, seeing each other's weird like Facebook statuses and yeah, she's vague she's... booking for the rest of their lives. <laughs> they're going to find out like each other's like political stances like through mm -hmm. memes and be like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's, that's the world we live in. You can't just live... Like, you can't just leave an acquaintance on, like, a good note. Like, you have to see, like, their weird, like, like vague book bullshit just Yeah, and leak he, out he, over he retired. That was, like, the ending was that he yeah. retired from the force. Uh, so he will have lots of time to post minion memes yeah. to vague book about uh, people, like who are also on Facebook. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he Use will, too many ellipses. He will tag her in posts that she, like, does not agree with. <laughs> <laughs> the world we live in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, anyway, moving on. Um, I, I did think that that was sort of interesting, was that it was... I, I think it was partially the result of, like, very underdeveloped characters, because it yeah. set it up in a way that he, like, that you would think that this case would be what he needed to feel, um, like, fulfilled. And, like, he mm -hmm. has resolved his issues with his daughter's death. But we don't know enough about his daughter's death to really get an analogy from it. Because his yeah. daughter was, like, a child. Like, she was a little mm -hmm. girl. She was not a grown woman. She was, like, ten, I think they say. Yeah, they yeah. said she was ten. Um, 
so not the sort of situation where it would be like, is this person her husband or not? And he didn't have the sort of father-daughter relationship with Jennifer either because they didn't even meet, really, until the very end of the movie. Yeah, that's actually kind of a plot point that, like, um, he wants not to talk Russell. to her. Yeah, he and... went in. He sort of like low key made sure she wasn't like talking to the police and sort of like isolated her. Which I guess that's like the other like red flag in the movie is when he like decides not to have her talk to the police. Right. So uh, I thought that that was interesting, and I think that it was a little bit unintentional because I think that you are supposed to see that as analogous to his own daughter's murder and that he feels fulfilled because he was able to save this other young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the situations but are actually pretty different. They're very different, and he just didn't have that sort of connection with this character. Yeah. So it, it almost accidentally becomes like a good subversion of a somewhat mm. problematic trope. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Not intentionally, but it is certainly there, because that trope yeah. is pretty problematic that women always become daughters or lovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't get that from this movie. No, you uh, don't. Mr. Mr. Allstate Man mm-hmm. does not see London from Sweet Life of Zach and Cody as a daughter or a lover. Mm-hmm. She's just a woman yeah. who he helped. Well, something I noticed about this movie is it did seem to, like, sort of very carefully try and be, like quote-unquote, like, woke at yeah. a lot of points. So, like, I was specifically thinking about, like, the way, like, the final scenes were kind of set up. Like, the movie clearly... Like, it felt to me, at least, like, they had, like, gone over, like, the sequence of events and, like, the script there and, like, really tried very carefully to craft it in such a way that the detective was, like, important and had to be there for things to turn out okay, but he wasn't, like, saving Jennifer, if that makes sense. Right. And, like, I think it's... It, I think she, it was, was, she was doing, like, the crux of the work. And yeah. he was, like, there to assist her. Yeah. But she presumably would have also gotten out on her own. Well, see, that's why I don't think... Because it is clear that not, she... Not in that situation, but I think eventually, like, Jennifer oh, okay. was resourceful enough to get, on, to get if, out on her own. Yeah, okay. If she wasn't going to just, like, die right at that moment, he just, like, if he... Right. Decided... Because he did, like, want to kill her. He, he stated yeah. that, like, pretty specifically. That he was basically, like, done with her game. She didn't want to play wife with him. Yeah. So he was so just he's, going he's to kill done, her. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the key thing is that they took, like, a lot of care to structure, especially, like, the final scenes, so that Jennifer always had, like, agency. Yeah. Like, it's not that she was, like, 100% going it alone, but she sort of always was, just like, the primary sort of, like, captain of her own fate. And really, like, the detective, like, his most critical moment is, like, when Russell's about to shoot Jennifer, and he sort of, like, throws himself at Russell and knocks him over. Yeah. But then, moments later, he's losing that fight, and Jennifer has to grab the gun and shoot Russell and sort of, like, take back control. Right. Which I think is, like a good interesting way to do Mm -hmm. it so i I do like those aspects of the movie i think that um this movie wasn't like careless i think that it did think about stuff i just think it wasn't like particularly innovative do you have anything else to say about secret obsession no not really i don't either and i think that that is a good place to stop um would you recommend people watch this movie after hearing our analysis I did not like it. I found it to be, like, the worst thing this style of, like, suspenseful thriller can be, which is boring. Oh, I liked it so much. Okay. (laughs) I liked it. Yeah. 
Um, if you are looking for a movie that's, you will not be surprised at all by this movie. We did like leave out plots and things like that. Um, if you go and watch it within the first 30 seconds of seeing this plot, you will understand what is going to happen. Yeah. But I, I think it's fun. Um, I, I've enjoyed watching it. I like Brenda's song. I like her stuff. We're on a different ends of the spectrum as to yeah. if you should watch Secret Obsession. In, in re- well, I, I, okay, I'll ask you in comparison mm-hmm. to our other films, where would you put this movie? Where would I put this movie? Um, Game Over Man was, like, worse, but had better, like, moments. Because okay. there are a few, like, fun moments in Game Over Man, and, like, it was just, like, so weird that it wasn't, like, boring, but it wasn't very good either. This movie was just boring. Um, <laughs> and what else have we seen? Uh, um, we watched Tall Girl. We watched yeah. the R.L. Stein movies. Yeah, so I, so for all of those, basically, I feel like they all had, like, more going on in this movie and, like, more to, like, dig into. Whereas for me, this movie sort of just bounced off me, I guess. Okay, that, that's fair. Um, I sort of like those really weird... Uh, like paperback suspense mm-hmm. type of things. I also like like cozy mysteries and, and yeah. stuff like that. So I think that that drew a lot from it. Like I love mm-hmm. the Rita Mae Brown and Sneaky Pie Brown cozy <laughs> mysteries. We have a lot of those books, mm-hmm. which uh, Tom does not understand, but <laughs> I like them. <laughs> I don't. Really, I don't. I feel like if I read them, I'd probably mildly enjoy them. Do you want to read a book about um, a postmaster? Who solves mysteries? Well, she's a post mistress. She's pretty clear about that. Uh, she's okay. post mistress. I mean, if I had nothing better to do. I read those books when I was really young, and I wanted to be a post mistress who solved mysteries in a small rural town. And I, I have evolved in my views, and I don't want that anymore. <laughs> I'm fine where I am. Mm-hmm. I do wish I could solve mysteries, though. That's always sounded pretty fun. You'd have to like leave the apartment, though. <sighs> maybe (laughs) just a dagger to the heart i could be like the wade to york impossible thomas (laughs) (laughs) you'd be like what the hacker yeah the hacker who just i don't like (laughs) soda would be just a very large uh Mm -hmm. like cup of Lacroix. yeah (laughs) because he always had soda Mm. and i don't like soda i never watched impossible oh it's great other than like an off like episode or two well we didn't have like cable growing up most of the time yeah and you also had a brother you didn't have like you know a sister running around who probably would have really liked impossible yeah that's probably (laughs) go watch the disney channel movie kim possible no don't do that we, maybe we'll cover Disney Plus later and we'll talk about the like, impossible Disney Channel. <laughs> but um, yeah, next week is Friend Request. Ooh, buddy. And for the 10 other people who've seen Friend Request, I have seen that movie seven times already because I hate myself. <laughs> and I'm excited to watch it again. So yeah, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a gift Yankee. My character is a Doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes, I, 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 and you are. I, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. 
Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! <laughs> There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> projectderailed.com